Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris. A special shout out to Newsstand Studio here at Rockefeller Center in New York City. It's very, very special. Thank you so much for producing and sponsoring my podcast. You can follow them on the Instagrams at Rockefeller Center or on Twitter, Rock Center NYC. Also, thank you to my incredible Patreon community. We are We're just building that Patreon family over there. It is so much fun. In fact, I feel like the content that I'm putting out on Patreon right now, honestly, it's like the most unedited version of me. So come join us. Some recent videos that I did are, does Jesus want me to be straight? How I got COVID after being fully vaxxed? overcoming online dating fatigue, and are my emotions trustworthy? So we're having some real talk over there. You can join the Patreon community for as little as $3 a month. That's patreon.com slash the refined collective. All right, today is gonna be a really good day. It's part three in having the one and only Manuel Reyes on the podcast. What's up? What's up? <laughs> what, wait, is that still a thing? Remember that Super Bowl commercial? I totally. What's up? What's up? Or did, we're showing did our like, age. all the Gen Zers, are they like, what? what is that? Totally showing our age. <laughs> yeah, not cool <laughs> at all. <laughs> we got Manuel is from the Knights of the Roundtable podcast. And we just thought it would be fun to have this little series. He said, she said. Yeah. How do you I feel it's it. going? I absolutely love it. Yeah. I love, and this is the most, I get so much uh, questions from girls on advice. And so I'm always giving dating advice. Always giving dating yeah. advice. I freaking love it. Yeah. I love it so much. It's I good. wish somebody was there to do it for me. So Right. Well, I can answer all of your marriage and sex questions that you have. Holla. <laughs> Sex advice from a virgin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with it. You know? Um, okay, I knew the instant that I read this book by Esther Perel this summer called State of Affairs that I wanted to have a conversation with a dude about infidelity. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read a quote and then we're going to jump in to some IG polls that I did recently and then we're just going to get after it. Yes. Okay. So here is a quote from the beginning of The State of Affairs by Esther Perel. 
She says, whether we like it or not, philandering is here to stay. And all the ink spilled advising us on how to affair-proof our relationships has not managed to curb the number of men and women who wander. Infidelity happens in good marriages and bad marriages, and even when adultery is punishable by death. It happens in open relationships where extramarital sex is carefully negotiated beforehand, and the freedom to leave or divorce has not made cheating obsolete. So that is the beginning of the book. It is an incredible book. Esther Pearl is so good about really looking at a topic from every angle without demonizing whatever the topic is, whether it's monogamy or cheating. And so as I was reading this book, questions that came up for me are, is it true that once a cheater, always a cheater? How does our faith collide with infidelity? And is cheating the unforgivable sin? So I asked all the Instagram folks some questions, and here's what you guys said. I asked, have you ever cheated? I got some angels in my audience. <laughs> 90% said no. Uh, probably out of fear, maybe out of fear that somebody will know, like yeah. if, if they say yes, you can see who's saying yes and who's not. Cause that's like telling on yourself. Yeah. Well, and, and then here's what we'll talk about in a few minutes is how do we define cheating? Like what, is, what does it mean to cheat? And then I asked, have you been cheated on? 61% said no, which I thought oh. was pretty high. That's interesting. Yeah, that is high. Yeah. And then I asked, would you break up with someone immediately? Like no questions asked if you were cheated on. 67% said yes. Of course. Yeah. And then I said, do you think cheating is an unforgivable sin? 47% yes. Wow. That's close to halvesies. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you answer those questions? Have you ever cheated? No. No. No, I've never cheated. I'm I'm not good at cheating. <laughs> Why? I'm because I have I'm a hopeless romantic. If I get close to even cheating or like back when I whether I love Jesus or not, like it just I feel horrible. Yeah. You know, like I'm not good at at being a player or being a cheater. I just can't. Yeah. I'm too much of a hopeless romantic. I'd just rather say something's wrong, let's break up. Yeah. Than cheat, you know? Yeah. So never cheated. If we're talking technically, I have not cheated. But I'm going to share a story in a few minutes after we kind of like define what cheating is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Have you ever been cheated on? No. No. Not that I know of. Yeah. I don't think think so. Like I would have known. Yeah. Most of the girls that I dated are super dope. Yeah. Like they've gone on to be amazing people. And I thought they were amazing back. I'm a super, super fan of all my exes. So Well, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's post Jesus. Post Jesus. No, pre Jesus. I had, I had some weird things, but post Jesus, all my exes are just phenomenal people. Dang. Yeah. You, you just kind of hit the dating lottery. I feel like. I just chose wisely. Like Uh, they were all like, like I, I don't call someone my girlfriend until like, I'm friends with them for a while. Yeah. So like, I've never had a one night stand. I've never kissed somebody I don't know. I've never done any of that stuff. It's like, I have to have like a real connection to even engage. So anybody that I've dated, I kind of like, we were friends. And so I knew the type of person I was getting involved with, you know? So that's kind of why. 
Yeah. Well, I have not had the same luck as you in the <laughs> dating pool. Now, I dated this guy off and on. It was tumultuous in my 20s. And he would say he never cheated on me because he would say we were never, quote unquote, official. Uh... Yet, I mean, I remember one time being, oh my gosh, we were literally on a date. He has his hand on my leg with his other hand, I look over, he's swiping on a dating app. Wow. Like not even hiding it. But and did you have the talk? No. Did you have? Oh my gosh. I mean, I was so insecure. I, I mean, this was, gosh, more than 10 years ago. I was in my mid twenties. This guy, I actually write about this guy in my book. He was like, oh, just treated me so terrible. But I didn't realize that I was in such low self-worth that I was like, I'll take any, like, I was like, sure. I will take anything this guy gives me. And yeah. I thought he was just the coolest. Like I met him in New York city and we would go on these epic dates and he would take me out. And then I just would never hear from him, but then he would, you know, keep, he would breadcrumb me. He would keep that door just open enough. And sure. I was like, Oh, he, he just needs more time. He just needs to get to know me better. But I would like, I, I was a crazy person with him. I would like stalk his social media, figure out where he was and be like, <laughs> oh, he's dating that person. He hooked up with that person. And Damn, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And actually in a very dramatic fashion, I was at New York Fashion Week. It's been years ago now. And there was this, I'll call her like a C-list celebrity, <laughs> maybe D. She was like a reality TV star. And I'm at the J. Crew presentation and this girl like beelines for me and starts yelling at me in front of like everyone at fashion week. And she's like, Oh wow. Are you screwing da 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 his name? And I was like, no, ah, who are you? And it was a girl that he was doing the same thing that he was doing to me with. And, oh, wow. and so it was, it was bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I like to say that, yes, I haven't cheated on it. doesn't matter if we were official or not. He, he was, not being faithful to me. Yeah, we definitely have to define then the term yeah. cheating because the only the only way I can say it is if the talk was had of exclusivity. Yeah, then it's like okay, there's expectations here, right? Sir. Right. If you're if you don't have that, then it's fair game. It's yeah. Even if y'all are hella close, yeah. And it's like it, you can't blame anyone yeah. if you don't have the talk. Yeah, I say until you have the exclusivity talk. It's you date Fair whoever. Game. Yeah. Yep. And and I think online dating has really changed that or made that or made that even more so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's so much option. Yeah. I don't know how people date. Yeah. I don't I, I would be so afraid to date in oh. this modern day. I, I would be terrified of dating. I, w I would be terrified of every text I sent. Mm. Every picture I sent, every single piece of communication, because the second this thing goes wrong, this person can just upload everything to the internet and there goes my, there goes my everything, yeah. you know? So I, I don't know. I, I just, I would be so afraid of engaging in a relationship now because yeah. I have a lot to lose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The stakes feel different. They feel different the the older we are. I mean, I'm 36 and dating and I I had this moment the other day where I was like, is dating just forever going to be a little less fun for me now? Because I'm like the biological clock. 
I want to have babies in the next few years. Like, how do mm -hmm. I not put pressure on this very first date when I'm just even trying to figure out if there's any level of connection? Sure. And in the back of my head is like barking, like, your body wants babies yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it just adds a different uh, dynamic. I can't imagine. I'm not a woman, yeah. so I can't even know what yeah. that clock feels like yeah like, dudes we have all the time in the world we can be you 60 do. and pop one out you know like it's very annoying which is not i guess not cool at all no no all right how would you define cheating mm, okay cheating to me is going outside of a committed context without permission okay that would be cheating Okay. If you were married, if you're two married people and you want to invite somebody else in, it's not cheating. If you're two married people and you say, yeah, you can have a hall pass, it's not cheating. None mm -hmm. of that is cheating. Cheating to me uh, involves deceit and it involves one person doing something that the other person doesn't approve of okay. and doesn't know, you okay. know? If it's two people consensually trying something, then it's just an experiment, mm. but... Once one person is in the dark, then it becomes, to me, cheating. So it sounds like for you, it's secrecy and deceit is kind of like the core of cheating or infidelity. Yeah, more so more so the, the deceit, because I yeah. think everybody has secrets. It doesn't mean you're cheating. Like mm. if you're like, oh, my God, I'm really attracted to this other person. You're yeah. not cheating. Yeah. It's when you engage, again, outside of a contextual agreement. Mm hmm meaning if it's a if it's marriage or if it's dating and and you guys have decided these are the rules of our relationship mm. once you go outside of that without the other person's permission then you are at that point cheating does that mean just like when you're saying deceit or going outside of the commitment mm -hmm. between the two people or however many people to you is that just sexual or could you no anything it could be anything it could be anything because, you know, if 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 the the man or woman is like, you know, I don't I don't like you hanging out with other people yeah. or I don't like you having long conversations or whatever the yeah. boundary is. Yeah, that's the boundary you are agreeing to. Yeah. Contractually, at least emotional contract. If you're in that relationship, you're saying yes to the other person's do's and don'ts. Mm. If they're not communicated then you can't be held at fault. But once they are communicated, you have to respect it or get out of the relationship. Like yeah. if it's too much for you, then bounce. Yeah. Yeah. One thing Esther Perel says in her book that I was like, you know what? I feel like, yes, I've, I've experienced this. But what she says is that almost every single couple doesn't talk about what cheating is mm -hmm. until the shit has hit the fan. Sure. Until a situation has been exposed and then it's like, oh, like, well, I didn't know that. Well, I didn't think that was cheating or it was, yes, that's for sure cheating. But she says that we need to get more comfortable from the get go talking about like, here's what commitment means to me. Here's what fidelity yeah. means to me. And what she what she talks about is how sometimes people think just bringing up infidelity or setting a boundary is setting yourself up for, well, I just want to know how far I can go to this boundary before I'm crossing over. Almost like how people in the church don't want to do any sort of comprehensive sex ed 
Because if you talk about a blowjob, everyone's going to be having blowjobs. Right. But how, like really normalizing, we have to get comfortable talking about what our expectations are. Yeah. I mean, if you're with somebody that is trying to figure out how far they can go, then it's like, bruh, you're starting off in the wrong, yeah. like with the wrong person. If, if those are the, like, I think for us as a culture, because through cultures, it's different. Like mm-hmm. every culture has a different expectations of what monogamy or what um, committed relationships look like. Mm-hmm. So for our culture, it's very like, there are black and whites that we have painted. Mm-hmm. That I like as an American dating couple, you all agree this is right, this is wrong. Uh, and I think it's impressed upon us by, you know, like our movies, our 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 uh entertainment, like it's very much like this is what normal looks like. Like mm-hmm. that's the loudest voice, mm-hmm. way more than anything else. Cause that's how romance became a thing. That's how marriage became something that was more than just a business contract. It all happened through movies um, where it became romanticized. And so I think, I think there are some very obvious agreeables. Like? Like, hey man, if you're with me, you can't go screw that other chick. You can't go kiss that other chick. Talking to someone, hella gray lines. Yeah. Because that's all based on somebody's jealousy meter or their insecurity meter. I mean, someone can go off on you if they see you talking to some girl at the gym, Mm. not even knowing if you know her or not or whatever, or or vice versa, know him or not. Those things are are very much gray, but everyone pretty much agrees, hey, man, we can't just go screw anybody we want if we're exclusive, or we can't just go kiss anybody we want if we're exclusive. Yeah. Um, Going to the movies or, or maybe doing lunch, all that is gray. Some people might take that as cheating, other people, you know, don't. I had a problem when I first got married because I was, I'm very friendly and I'm very encouraging. And I, I was always flirty, but my flirty was more encouraging. Like I always see the, I try to see the best in you and I'm mm-hmm. going to try to encourage you. So if I know that you're trying really hard to be feminine and dress up and look pretty, I'm going to compliment you when I see you. I'm going to mm-hmm. be like, yo, Kat, you look real good today. Look at you doing your thing, girl. That shirt's fly or look mm-hmm. at, you know what I'm saying? And anyone looking in will be like, man, he's being real flirty with her. But to me, I'm just like, no, I'm trying to encourage in whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so when I got married, my wife would always be like, Yo, you're really flirty. And I'm just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm like this with girls and guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she kept trying to point out to me, but it's different because of the way you look and because of the, the women that you talk to. So yeah. it's different. If, yeah. you, if you didn't look the way you look, those women would probably take you in a whole different way. Like yeah. more like this guy, he's in the friend zone forever. Yeah. But if you're over complimented, if it's somebody who needs compliments, then they can take that and it becomes something different and that's where i had to start learning oh i can't be this way with everybody yeah like i can't be my normal self with everybody i have to tone it down sorry you're so hot manny no (laughs) that's how the girls are taking it the wrong way mildly attractive (laughs) i'm no i'm a boy i had a friendship with a guy for a long time and i also was like totally in love with this guy and he was super attractive definitely 
very charismatic. And I mean, he would be like, I love you. I miss you. Like, very, oh, you look so just kind of like what you just described. And I finally admitted to him, hey, I have feelings for you. And like, do you have feelings for me? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. no, why would you ever think that? And yeah. I'm like, well, because you say this, you say this, like you say you miss me. You say you want to see me. We make these plans together. We hang out and it's just the two of us. It feels if it feels like a date, you know, and he was like, well, I don't have feelings for you. And I was like, OK, but I have feelings for you. So kind of be careful with my heart a little bit, you know. Admittedly, though, can, do you admit in the sense of if he was not attractive, you probably wouldn't have seen any of those things or felt any of those things? Or do you think you still would have? I think that I would have I would have felt like, oh, he likes me. And right. that I would have felt a responsibility to be like kind and careful to his heart and not feed Isn't into that, that. Interesting, You know, but basically his behavior never changed. Uh, okay. towards me. And then I'm I'm thinking, well, he said this, but he's acting like this. And then I noticed he is surrounded by female friends. Sure. And all these girls are in love with him all the time. And yeah, I finally I was like, that. yo, you actually have a little bit of a responsibility here. I was like, you're super attractive. You're very kind and so sorry that you're so hot, but all these girls are in love with you. And the kind thing would be to be aware of that and, and not, and just be careful with your compliments a little bit and be careful with your time. And he, his response was, well, that's not my problem. If I know. What I'm did that not. make you feel like? It made me feel like he just wanted to be surrounded by people that were in love with him. It made me feel like he just wanted to be adored. Like he didn't mm. care about my heart. All he cared. He basically was like, well, I already said I'm not interested in any of these people. So that's on them. And it just felt like, yeah, but friendships and relationships are, how can we love one another well? And if this is something that I'm struggling with, then either yeah. I need to back out or can you like meet me in the middle? Sure. So what yeah. are your thoughts on that? I've been in both situations. Yeah. You know, um, I am fully aware of, of projection mm -hmm. and I'm also aware that I, you know, was a certain type of way. I was, a, I was very affectionate. I was very whatever, but it's also the reason why they, they cared about me or appreciated me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, to me, I think the onus falls on the person who is being double minded. So mm. if he told you, Hey, I don't see you that way. Right. Mm -hmm. But then he's calling, but then he's treating you 1000% like a girlfriend or like baby what's up baby or getting mad if you have another guy or you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying stuff like that that's where it gets like ah oh, you can't have both bro yeah but if it's just like certain terminology where he's yeah. just nice kind complimentative that may just be like his personality and it's like okay i will in my mind understand from what you told me mm -hmm. i will never take you serious as a possible prospect yeah. until you literally spell out Hey, I like you. I would like to date. Yeah. Other than that, your words are as light as, or your compliments, like mm. all that are just, they're just very nice words from a good friend. Yeah. And that's, I'll never read into a mm -hmm. single thing. Yeah. And as long as he's okay with that, then you're okay with him being nice and kind. Yeah. You know? 
I think the thing for me, and this didn't just happen. I was in a very long trajectory of friend zone for very many years. But what I ended up calling him out on is every time he would start dating someone, he, I would just not hear from him at all. Yeah. And I would think, oh, he must be dating someone <laughs> because sure. I go from hearing from this person every day to never. And then, which they, I guess on the adverse is like respect to him. Well, but you know what that showed me? That showed me I am, there's, this isn't just friends. Because if we were just friends and our relationship was just friendly, then why are you completely dropping? me out of your life as soon as you get into a relationship and then as soon as he was out of it he's coming back around i would more ask because it's kind of like in to a degree i would more kind honestly i would more like you know i my expectations of the person would drop mm -hmm. like i wouldn't have any expectation of mm -hmm. like anything past i would just understand that he's a seasonal transitional friend like he's not like down the whole time but at the same time i'm kind of like yeah if you're trying to give your all to somebody else they may have a problem with you having friends that are girls or, mm -hmm. or you may just know that you've had a history of women saying hey man you got too many friends that are girls so when you're with me just be with me and he may that may just be like his rule yeah if i, if I start dating somebody and it's serious then i have to disconnect from everybody because I need to make clear boundaries so that this person understands that I'm only with them. Then I totally get it. And it's like, man, that sucks. But then as you, then you just got to figure out whether or not you got to reorder, organize where you put that person in your life. Totally. So he's just going to be this guy over here. Yeah. And when he's around, blast. Mm -hmm. When he's not around, yeah. don't, I ain't going to expect a single thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to call him and ask him to hang out. Did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown out every year? And each bottle can be made of more than 90% water. Let's stop wasting water and throwing out more plastic. Get Blue Land's revolutionary refill cleaning system instead. Blue Land was founded on the belief that a cleaner planet starts at home. Buy the bottle once, refill it forever. No more plastic waste. Just fill Blueland's beautiful bottles with warm water, pop in one of the hand soap or spray cleaner tablets, and within minutes, you have powerful and effective cleaning products with incredible scents like rose bergamot and lily mint. Blueland also offers laundry and dishwasher tabs as well. Their bottles start at just $10 when you buy a kit and are meant to be reused forever with refill tablets that start at just $2. And listen, I've used clean products that you're like, uh, is this really cleaning my dishes or clothes? Because they still stink or have residue. You know, I'm all about clean living, but I also want my things to actually be clean. So cut the plastic waste without sacrificing clean. Get Blue Land. You'll love it and the planet will thank you. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash refined. That's 15% off your first order of any products Blue Land offers at blueland.com slash refined. Here's how Esther Perel defines cheating. She says that infidelity is a cocktail of these three things. She says secrecy, sexual alchemy, and emotional involvement. So secrecy, deceit, sexual alchemy. She calls it sexual alchemy because she says sometimes like sex or like people don't even touch, but there's that like 
sexual yeah. tension that you know you sure. cut the room with the knife or whatever the phrase is. Yeah. And then emotional involvement um, involvement. So when I read that, I thought, okay. And, and she says it could be like, two, typically it's like two of those things. Sure. Sometimes it's all three of them. And that got me thinking, I, when I first got out of college and, and one of my first few jobs out of college, I had a coworker who was married and we worked together all the time. And it was mm -hmm. one of those like crazy jobs where we're working, you know, crazy hours. I'm making no money. And we working together, chatting together all the time. And it was definitely like a, it, it was brother sister vibe, mm -hmm. but we got very close and we would, I remember we would just talk for hours and it would be mm -hmm. about like God or faith or dating, like anything and everything. And it, I, and then we like with my job, we would travel a lot together. Right. And I remember mm -hmm you know, we'd be working together and I would be like editing photos super late and like we're in the same hotel room and it's like 3 a.m. And this is going on for years. And finally, I remember getting to a point in our work dynamics where I felt like I know that we're having conversations that him and his wife aren't having. Mm -hmm. And I started feeling uncomfortable. Like I didn't feel like anything ever physical would happen to us, but I knew that we had this intimacy that felt if I was married and my husband was working nonstop with a single woman and they were having conversations like this all the time, I would feel really uncomfortable. Right. And so when I look at that cocktail of Esther Perel, I see like secrecy and emotional involvement on my mm. end. And I even remember one time this person, we were at like a public event and before starting the event, he made a public statement. I just want everyone to know I'm not having an affair with my coworker. What? Yeah. And I oh, was like deer in headlights. I mean, oh like what gosh. the heck? Just, I should have probably quit the Did job. Did he specifically then. point you out? Yeah. yeah. And because oh. everyone, we were together all the time. Oh my god! All gosh. the time we were together and people like the business was like related to both of us. And so I remember like looking back on that moment and I had a conversation with him a couple days later and I was like, that was like the most, one of the most humiliating moments of my life. Why would you Ugh. do that? And he was like, well, you know, like people have been talking and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> Why hasn't anyone told me? And, you know, we stopped working together for a lot of reasons. But I remember one of the big reasons for me was I just felt like the more time that went on, the more I felt like this doesn't feel good. Mm. And I know for sure I wouldn't feel respected as a wife if my husband was like working in that close of quarters, like and having that deep of a relationship. Now, all that being said, I was very close with this family, like. I'm still friends with him and his wife. Right. But when I look at that, when I was like, oh, have I ever cheated before? Like, no, I've never like been in a relationship and made out with any someone else or I've never like made out with or hooked up with a guy who was in a relationship. But when I look at that cocktail, I think there's definitely been some gray moments in my past. Sure.
The thing with that kind of stuff is you don't know it until you're in it. Because everything, if you're like a semi-quasi-decent person, everything begins with good intent. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Like before I got married, I thought that once I got married that all my sensors to other women would just shut off. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be attracted to anyone. I wouldn't, there like there'd be some magical Jesus juice (laughs) that will just make me not attracted to anyone and it's only my wife. And the second I got married, the opposite happened. Oh, shoot. Now I'm like, oh my God, I never got to be with an Asian person. I never got to be with this kind of person. I, I, I started realizing everything that I didn't have, that I didn't get to experience. Then I started feeling like I was in a cage. Then I started feeling like I couldn't, now I can't do anything. Now mm-hmm. I can't explore. I can't do any of these things. And it happened year one. And I freaked the hell out. Mm. I was like, what is wrong with me? And then, you know, I just talked to Jesus about it. And he's just like, welcome to humanity, bro. Like, <laughs> this is humanity. Like, yeah. it's not, it doesn't, there's no magic potion to marriage. There's every day you wake up, you choose that person. Every day. Yeah. And T.D. Jake said something that was so brilliant because he was like, I'm one decision away from ruining my whole life. Mm. Not 15. Yeah. Not two. Just one. One decision. And for someone like that to say that married 30 plus years, he's like, bruh, no one is above this all, you yeah. know? So it's, it's, it was very humbling. And at the same time, I was, I was grateful and I just kind of embraced my humanity and be like, oh, okay. And then even still, it wasn't until like year six or seven where it really like hit me like, oh my God, you can be attracted to other mm. people. Yeah. There are there are more people on this earth that you would 100% be able to make marriage work with. Yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%. Yeah. There's so many people out there that I'm like, uh, oh, I could totally make it work with her. Totally make it work with her. Totally, we could be married easily, you know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. This thing really is a choice. Yeah. It's, it's not romance. It's not any of that stuff. It's who am I gonna choose every day when I wake up? And that becomes the most romantic thing mm. because it's like a ring, a certificate, a con- none of that stuff keeps anybody in this thing. Mm. It's really your devotion to that other person that keeps you there. Nothing else, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's even more romantic when you understand all the opportunities and all the uh, options that you may have. Yeah. And you still choose your person. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about love and relationship and even God's love for humanity. Like I don't need a partner. Mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I like my life. I want, I desire That's So I need oxygen, but yeah. I want, and God doesn't need us. God wants us. And I think that's one of the most profound things about choosing love and even choosing monogamy, choosing a long-term relationship, choosing marriage is it's not, it's like, that's not sexy <laughs> to have yeah. to make a choice day in and day out when you don't feel like it and just say, no, I choose this not because I need it or have to, like, this is a get to Mm-hmm. Or this is a gift too. And this is like, I want this. 
I think that is so much different than like, oh my gosh, this person is like oxygen to me. I'm like, that's codependent. (laughs) Yeah, well, that and that fades. I don't know anybody that's that stays the whole time. It's like, I think the beauty of marriage is is you fall into this utter amount of appreciation and like. Like I become more of a fan of my wife because of the type of person that she is and what she's been able to affect in me. Like the other day I told her, I was like, man, you're like the best decision I ever made. (laughs) And, you know, do you sometimes, do we as humans wake up and be like, man, I'm with the same person every day, day. And I would love to experience something new. The butterflies again, Mm -hmm. the dating. It was so much fun, you know? I just don't know if any of that made me a better person. Mm. It made me a better dater, made me better at my game, smoother. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm. it made me better in a lot of things, but in my core as a person, I'm not so sure because I always had an out. Yeah. I can always bounce. Mm -hmm. This marriage thing, if you, if you're trying to take it serious, it's like bouncing is like, option number z you know Mm. or or options letter z you know it's it's you got to try a through y Mm. before you even get to z and that does something to your character that first year of my marriage it was like oh you're not in a cage bro and if you are and if you if you see a cage that cage is really to protect you Mm. it's not like to keep you in but if left up to your own devices you would be a very unhappy person yeah you yeah. really would. So mm-hmm. I just grow in gratitude. Yeah, that's so nice. That's beautiful. Angela, I hope she, I hope she hears that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think when you say that, what comes to my mind is this, the idea of like, is monogamy natural? And I, I don't know what you think about that answer. I don't necessarily know that monogamy is natural. I think left... I think if, you know, if we're looking at the animals, you know, some, some like penguins, like mate for life or like the turtle doves or whatever. So I don't know if it's natural, but I think, I think one of the great purposes of a relationship is intimacy to be seen, to be known, to be accepted, to be loved. And I do think that there's something really powerful. And I think this Mm -hmm. is, you know, kind of where like, how does my faith collide with like fidelity or relationship or whatever is, I can't go a mile deep (laughs) and an inch wide with a ton of people. I can't even do it with like several people. It's like, I, I, I think there's something powerful about saying, I'm going to be, be in this relationship with this person and we're going to like get after it. That is, I think it's the road less traveled. I think it's, I think it's for our growth. It's for our refinement. It's, it's there's something really powerful because every other relationship in our lives and yeah, you can get divorced. You're not like stuck in a marriage, but every other relationship of our lives, I can leave mm-hmm. at any point. And I know that's a general brushstroke. But when you, when I choose monogamy, when I choose marriage, I'm saying I'm all in. And I think we can have the possibility of tapping into the deepest growth we'll ever experience in our lives and deeper intimacy than we could otherwise experience. What do you think? I don't think it's natural to be monogamous at all. Yeah. Like I think it's definitely nothing about 
our bodies on a on a human and instinctual sense. Like if you were to be honest with yourself, you want more. You always want more, especially like, you know, dudes want to fertilize everything. You know, it's it's on a on a human basic instinctual level. I don't think it's natural. Um that's why I think when it comes to marriage, it's more of a spiritual act. Mm. You know, it's more of a unnatural act. It's more of a like, I'm choosing this every day because your natural senses is once you're upset with something, tired of something, once something doesn't serve you purpose, you you leave it. That's natural. If something hurts you, you no longer want it to be with you mm-hmm. or in your life. Natural. That means it, this is something that You don't try to feel this way. It just is how you feel. It's not something that you have to talk yourself into. Mm -hmm. If if, if you're hurting me, I don't want to be around you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's not natural to want to be around somebody that is constantly hurting you Mm -hmm. or is constantly downplaying you or making you feel horrible about yourself or same thing. It's not natural to cut yourself and jump in alcohol. Like none of that is, (laughs) is like your body's like, this all feels very... Like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is what we do. Yeah. Um, sexuality is, again, you can be attracted to anyone at any time. And your your organs and your functions will work with anyone. Anyone. Naturally with anyone. <laughs> like, you don't have to talk your, your body into being able to have sex with anyone on this planet. Uh, because it's going to be a natural reaction to a stimulus. It is very spiritual and unnatural to tell all of those natural uh, responses to stay at bay because there's a higher priority mm-hmm. than than my body. Yeah. And that priority is my heart and my mind and my commitment. Obviously, unless you have a different, you know, if you, I don't know who's listening, but your relationship could be different and you could have an open relationship and and it's okay. But if you don't have an open relationship, then, you know, the priority is to the other person and, and your mind and your heart and how you feel. Mm. But on a bot, like again, a body in- instinct level, I think, no, I think your body always wants more and that's food. That's sex. That's all the things that we feed it. It's yeah. like always wants more. Yeah. Well, and to that point, why one of the neurological reasons why when you got married, why you started finding all these other people attractive is neurologically what the cocktail in our brain of endorphins that is fired off in passion has to do with instability. <laughs> like mm. literally stability kills libido. So yeah, you agree. can be like that person is the hottest, flyest thing ever. But part of what's making you feel that way is because you're like, oh, like, I don't know. They're I don't I don't know if they're going to be here tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to still like me tomorrow. Are they going to want to go on another date with me? That like passion is like a cocktail of adventure and unknown and instability, yeah. says Esther yeah. Perel in her book. And so when we're I think that's why we ask, what's the point of a relationship? And I love how you said that to you, marriage is more of this spiritual act because there is that physical dynamic, which I think is freaking awesome. I'm such a physical person. I'm like, let's just lay on me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah, I'm like a little cat, like, but the spiritual act of just 
being in it with someone is it's just a, it's it's a powerful invitation whether you believe in god it is it is like spiritual so like mm -hmm. in the sense of like you can just say it's a spirit in like in yourself like if you're not calling it god jesus the holy spirit it's the spirit of humanity you know like it's something transcendent that is very much above human instinct because mm -hmm. human instinct would be get what you want when you want it right if your body sees a person and they're attracted, act on the uh, on that attraction. Yeah. Why not? That is, why else are you attracted to that person except mm -hmm. for to engage? Um, the beautiful part is, you know, well, some would say it's beautiful to those who believe in monogamy. You would say, you know, the beautiful part is to see something that you would want and then say no because mm -hmm. you you care about something else more. Yeah. And it truly is a it's a difficult task especially to someone if you have access. It's different with people who don't have access to things. Like they can't just go and get whatever they want when they want it. Um, I think it becomes harder when you get yourself to a place where you have access. So people with money, people who are extremely really good looking, you know what I'm saying? Like these people find themselves in trouble more often than not because it's like, you have full access, like find out, you want to find out who somebody is, give them access to anything whenever they want it. Yeah. Yeah. And when nobody's looking, they may indulge because mm -hmm. they can. Yeah. I think we all have access. I mean, you and I talked about this last fall or last fall. This was a spring. I was having my faith <laughs> crisis. I was like, King David is so problematic. And you were like, I don't know, man. Like if I had gazillions of dollars and was a king, like who knows what I would do? What, like we're, we all have that capacity. And I, and I was just like, no, but I think I'm better. I think I wouldn't be that way. <laughs> like, no, I don't, well, I, mean, I don't think so. And you were like, if you, if I looked like Brad Pitt, like, I think, I don't think everybody has access. I think people are limited. And, and this is why I know it's because like, if you look at dating statistics, most women want high figured men. Like they want top of the crop. I don't know any girl in my life. And this is kind of sad, but at the same time, I get it. There's no one coming to me like, yo, if I could just get me a plumber, I would be so freaking happy. You know what I'm saying? I've never heard those words come out of anyone's mouth. Most of the women that I talk to are like in their ideal mind. Mm -hmm. They want someone who can take care of them. They want somebody who can do this and that. And the reality of it is, is there's a lot of men that do not have access to a plethora of opportunities to engage physically, sexually, or emotionally with a woman. Whereas a woman, I think, can always find a dude willing to get to get down. So I, I think it's the opposite. And perhaps I think it's the opposite. And you think it's the opposite because I'm a girl. It's a he said, she said. We're having a he said, she said moment. You oh think men can get it anytime? Well, here's the deal. It's because we all have freaking cell phones. There's we have what's the app for married people that want to have affairs like something Madison. So. For example, I know a person who was married for a long time and this guy was not cute at all. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just not cute. I'm just going to leave it at that. This guy cheated on his super hot wife the entire time they were married Wow! via this dating app and like tons of relationships. And so when you say access, like I, I know what you're saying about 
looks and money and all of that. And we are also in a time where with our phones at our fingertips, we all have access. We are one, we are like TD Jake says, we are, we're not one decision away. We're one click away. I see what you mean by access. I don't mean literal access in the sense of, yes, everybody can access an app that can give you access. What I'm saying, if you line up ugly men and line up a bunch of women, right? With all different kinds of looks and sizes, nine times out of 10, a woman will succeed in finding someone to get with, whereas a man won't because they're, the standards are different, you know, like guys will, we always laugh at ourselves. Like I, being a guy, there's always jokes of like, you know, women say it too, like guys will screw anything that walks and they really would. Whereas a woman doesn't really think that way. There's, there's emotions involved. There's, there's desire, there's expectation. There's a lot that's involved for a woman to want to get down. And, you know, I just don't, I see men having a harder time. Women control that flow more than a man would. I still push back and disagree with that. I think especially living in a city like New York, where every, for every college educated man, there's two college educated women. And that doesn't take into account, you know, do they want to be in a relationship? Are they heterosexual? Are, Are they are they a person of faith? Like all these things. So I, I think women have way less access, especially in cities to, to men of their choice. Just it's, it's purely a numbers game. Okay. Of your choice. That's different. I agree with that. Not even of your choice. Dating in the church is like being on the bachelor. There's like one okay guy for 30 women. I mean, that's how it was in, 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 in Bible college. Like yeah. I saw that I was like, oh, you just, you guys just don't have options. Right. That's so what it is. When you're saying women have all that access, I'm like, no, we don't. <laughs> no, I'm saying women control the access to intimacy into, you know, the, the sexual side of things more than a man does. Like a man has to wait for a woman to, invite. Does that make sense? Whereas uh, a man doesn't have the same power in that sense. Now, if they are a man of high value, then I agree with you because then all women want men of high value. But if you're just a normal Joe Schmo, normal, because in Bible college, all the guys were trying to be pastors. They were all trying to be someone. They were going to be the future pastors of America. Which is right, which or else was, they wasn't be. as terrifying. <laughs> Correct. So, a woman would definitely take a lesser looking, or you know, whatever, because they buy into the calling, they buy into the life, they buy into the person's heart for God, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's set up for a guy to win within the church, and that because there's so few men that are serious about God that if you can just find one, then it's like you always hear, "I love his heart for God." I love his heart for God because it is attractive when a man mm-hmm. truly falls in love with God. It's just, it is attractive. I can say mm-hmm. that if, you, if that's what you're looking for. But what I'm talking about is normal Joe Schmo dudes. It's at least from the countless of women that I talk to, those people are not in the radar. They're mm-hmm. just not, they're not looking for that caliber yeah. of dude. No, I, I A guy you. who's just like, I'm just trying to be the, 
the manager at Walgreens, you know, and I'm happy with my job. You're not like, yo, I met this manager at Walgreens, you guys, and your girls are not going to be like, really? Oh my God. It's just not going to happen. I think if you're younger, like if you're like 19, 20, that's like one thing, but definitely in your, like once you get in your like late 20s, 30s, yeah, that's that's not as attractive. It's not the biz yeah. where if it was reversal, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. If a dude, if a dude was like, yeah, I'm dating this girl and he could be making six figures and like, where'd you meet her at? Oh, she was waiting tables at this restaurant. Oh, dope. Is she hot? First question. Is she hot? What does she look like? Hmm. Oh, she's hot. I excuse everything after this. I don't care what vocation she has. I don't care whatever. Oh, she's hot. Oh, okay, cool. Like they don't care if she makes money. They don't care if she's whatever. And it's like. These are the double standards yeah, that we all totally. live by. It's very much. Well, then on the flip side of that, I was told in my 20s that I dated a guy and I just could not get on board. He was a wonderful guy. I just wasn't attracted to him, didn't feel mm -hmm. it. And I ended up ending things with him. And he told my best friend, guys don't like girls like Kat. Guys uh -huh. want girls that are baristas and teachers. Cat has too many ambitions. And so I, and that is not the first, or that was the first time I heard it. It hasn't been the last time I've heard it. I have guys, yeah. even just recently, I was trying to date a guy and he did not want to date me because of how many Instagram followers I had. He, I had other guys. That is like, yeah. So it's like, yeah, guys, yes, that the, the flip side of that argument is guys don't want to be with girls that have more money than them, typically speaking. It's a 100% it's, it's statistically true. Mm -hmm. The number one thing that a, a high-powered, successful man looks for in a woman is agreeableness. Mm -hmm. It is not them owning their own. Why? Yeah. I have my own money. Yeah. I, I do my own thing. I don't, I don't, I want somebody that's going to be agreeable. Yeah. That's not going to come in and try to tell me how to do things or try to, you know, because they want legacy. Mm -hmm. They want somebody that can give them help them live on forever, which is through kids, which is through other things. So it's like, no, they're not looking for high powered women. Yeah. Yeah. They're just not, but totally. there's some guys that are, mm -hmm. I, it was one of my main things. One of my main things is I wanted to be a fan of my wife. So the mm -hmm. stronger, the more high powered, the more whatever, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Cause there's nothing more attractive to me than somebody who has a goal and they're going for it. Yeah. Like that's fly to me. That's awesome. But I'm also part of a very small, small <laughs> yeah. guy. I but get those that. guys are out there. I honestly don't feel like I even want to ask you this question, but I'm going to, because it's what the episode title is called. So I feel like we each get one minute TED Talks uh, to answer this question. <laughs> okay. So do you think cheating is unforgivable? No, I don't think cheating is unforgivable. I think I always tell my wife, I'm like, babe, if you ever want to cheat, if you're ever in the place that just come to me first and ask me so that I can ask you, what am I doing wrong? Mm. I used to think cheating was like unforgivable saying I'm out. The second it happens, I'm out. But now being married for 11 years, I can see. If somebody is ignored enough, if somebody is not, if you don't, if you just completely ignore what the other person is saying they need, then I can 100% see how that person is going to go um, possibly find it in someone else. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't blame them. I really wouldn't. I'd blame myself before I would blame that person. Mm -hmm. Man, I don't think cheating is the unforgivable sin either. 
I think because of the multiple experiences I have had, I'll call them just close calls. And mm-hmm. there's another story that I want to share, but I just can't share publicly at this point where right. it was a, it was a close call. And mm-hmm. it was one of those, I just kind of how we talked earlier, you don't know that you're in the moment until you realize you're in the moment and you're like, oh crap, yeah. like get yeah. me out of here. I basically had a a Joseph and Potiphar's wife moment (laughs) where I woke up to the moment I was in and literally ran away. And I think having those experiences that I had really made me feel human and also showed me, man, this, it is so easy to happen. Yeah. This is, this is so easy to get there. And I don't, I think there was infidelity in my family growing up. And so I thought I just never, it, I never want to be with a cheater. Like once a cheater, always a cheater. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that. I think people can change at any point. And I think just like you said, there's so many dynamics going on in a marriage. And to me, where it gets dicey for me is I think there's a difference between, oh my gosh, I was at the bar. I drank one too many and I like hooked up with this person. And then I tell my partner, immediately like that next mm-hmm. day versus mm-hmm. a calculated long-standing affair like that's something that would be harder for me to recover from well because at that point you're not really talking about a cheater the 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 core sin there is just someone who's deceptive mm-hmm. it's not even the cheating at that point it's just more like they're really good at lying mm-hmm. and that's yeah. different that's a different that's mm-hmm. a different type of person, yeah. you know, because cheating can happen for a myriad of reasons, which is why, like, I genuinely tell my wife, man, if you ever get to the point, the first question I'm going to ask you is what have I done wrong? Mm-hmm. Where have I ignored you? What can I do better? Mm-hmm. Because I genuinely believe and I've experienced like, yo, people cheat a lot of the time because they feel unseen, unheard. And it's not for some people I feel like I think I will go against when if they haven't voiced it, Mm -hmm. if they feel unheard and they haven't even told their partner, hey, I really need this from you. I need this from you. And they just go and cheat and never tell the partner what they were missing. Mm -hmm. That to me, that's not cool because you didn't even you didn't even give the other person a chance to be what you needed. But if you have expressed yourself, I need this from you. I need this from you. This is what makes me happy. Please, I'm giving it to you because I need it as well. And that person continually ignores that. Then they're showing you where they put you in life. And it's not at the top. And it's Mm -hmm. not. So if you accidentally stumble or if you find someone else that gives you that exact thing, bruh, I ain't even mad at you. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not because again, there's certain things that you cannot go without. You can't as a human being. I learned that the sexual thing is, is one of those things. So it's, it's very much like, it's like eating. It's not like something that you can just be like, all right, I'm done. Like I'm done. It's, it's, I mean, I guess you can make your argument for people who choose celibacy, but the, 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 um, how do you say the, um, the drive of it is so intense that it's hard for 99.9% of the people to just master it and say, I don't need it, Mm. you know? Uh, So finding emotional ways to let that out because you're being starved in other ways, I think that becomes more problematic and it's not just one person's fault. You have to look at 
both things, yeah. at least in a very objective way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's where I've come to because I know that this forever thing is not easy. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to set this amount of fear over my wife or like dread that if she ever came and just told me something that I'm like, I'm out. That's my first. Mm -hmm. I'm just gone because I'm angry. Nah. For me, I'm like, I set up my marriage like a river. I'm like, baby, I want to flow with you. Wherever you're flowing, I want to go. Even if it's you telling me, hey, man, I feel starved by you. Mm. And I found myself really caring about this other person. Yeah, I'm going to be like, I'm not going to get mad at her. I'm going to be like, how can I fix this? Can I fix this? Mm. Is it too far gone? Mm -mm. And then honestly, I think I'm going to be really mad at myself, not at her. I'll be more mad at myself for not prioritizing her. You know that song by Bruno Mars, um, which I always laugh about the, is, um, and I should have bought you flowers yeah. and held your hand. Mm -hmm. Every time I hear that song, I, I think about my wife and I'm like, I will not be him. Mm. I will not be him. So now when my wife asks me to do stuff, whether it's dance in the middle of nowhere, get her flowers, just stuff that isn't really important to me, I do it. Because I will not be the guy singing that song to my wife because some other dude was more than willing to do all these little mm. things that she wanted. Yeah. That yeah. won't be me. Yeah. So much of life is those little, it's the little invitations. It's the little, little invitations. Stuff. Yeah. And one thing to kind of wrap up what Esther Perel says that I think is really, really powerful. She says, infidelity when, when a couple experiences infidelity, it's the death of that relationship. That relationship mm. is no longer. Now you have a choice. Do you want to build a new relationship? Oh, yeah. So it's either it's but it's what you had is gone. But now we either get to rebuild it on a different set of um, communication or meeting each other's needs. But sometimes the most beautiful relationships come out of this death because it shows you what was missing, what, what needs weren't being met. And, yeah. and sometimes it, it ends the relationship. I think communication is the most important. Like if you're afraid to let your other person know, like the thoughts that are going on in your, in your head, like the shadow side, mm -hmm. I think you really have to question how deep your relationship is. And I, I firmly believe this because the first six years of my marriage, there's things in my head that I just didn't want to say because I was ashamed. And then we went to this marriage counseling retreat and it, it was all about honesty and holding space for one another. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter what was inside the other person. They had to feel safe to let it out. Even if it's, I think I like somebody else. Mm -hmm. Hold space for them. Let them get it out in a safe environment. Talk with them. What is it? Mm -hmm. Is it something I am doing or not doing? Can you imagine being able to have the freedom to say any single thing that comes to your mind, knowing that the other person's response that they've dedicated to you is understanding before anger. I want to know what part did I play in this? Mm -hmm. And that's how I, which is why I'm not insecure about anything. Like I'm not jealous. I'm not, any, if my wife genuinely thinks that I am not loving her well enough and I'm giving my all and she finds it somewhere else, bruh. Go, <laughs> because I can't do anything more than what I'm doing. Like I'm, I try, I try everything to make my wife happy. Mm -hmm. There's not one thing that I'm not doing that she's asking of me. And if that's not enough, then I can't, I can't hold somebody 
I just let him go. Like, okay, mm-hmm. if you think you'll be happier somewhere else, go somewhere else. I'll be hurt, but I'll feel good that I gave it my all and and it and it is what it is. Yeah. You know? I don't mean to be so lax about yeah. marriage, but no. I just I just understand now that you yeah. can't make people love you. You can't make people stay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your honesty and for having this conversation. I really enjoyed our three-part series. Hell yeah. It's <laughs> really fun. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we do I love it again. anything girl guy. Yeah, do it. Well, thank you, Manuel. We'll chat soon. And you guys, if you if you love this series, if you hate it, whatever, email socialattherefinedwoman.com, slide into the DMs, The Refined Woman, or what, Nights at the Round Table? What, which DM? Yeah, Nights at the Round Table pod, or just Manuel Reyes, yeah. M-A-N-W-E-L-L, yeah. like this man is doing well. Yeah. If I said anything at any point that has triggered you, I would love to apologize or explain because I know people get triggered so easily. For sure. Like, for sure. Yeah. And if you want, if you have any more topics you want us to cover, just put them in those DMs. So. Oh my God. Yes. All right. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to this three-part series with Manuel Reyes from the Knights at the Roundtable podcast. Man, we covered some hard stuff in the last few weeks. Infidelity, that TV show Sex Life, and Can You Have It All, Double Standards, so many things. And I will say that Manuel has been really the only guest I've ever had that we vocally disagree with each other on air. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. Just being able to have space for each other to have different thoughts and to push back and push back publicly, I think is important. And we are still buddies and get along and are for each other. As this episode specifically wraps, a few things that I want you to just spend a couple minutes thinking about is how would you define cheating? What does that mean for you? What's involved in that? What's not involved in that? Do you agree with Esther Perel that infidelity is a cocktail of secrecy, sexual alchemy, and emotional involvement? Perhaps you look back on your own experience like I did after reading about that cocktail and think, oh, this situation that I was in was maybe less innocent than I initially thought. And in all of it, I encourage you to be gracious with yourself, be gracious with others. Life is hard. Being a human being is really hard. And like T.D. Jake says, we are all one bad decision away from blowing up our lives. And that's not meant to be a fear mongering statement, but just a humanizing statement that at any point, any of us could do something stupid. So thank God for grace and, and all of that beautiful stuff. All right. So grateful for you. So grateful that you stayed to the very end. Next week is going to be a surprise because I don't know what we're going to go live with next week. So stay tuned for a surprise next week. 